Welcome to Baseball Biz. I'm Mark Corbett, your host, and with me today is none other than Mr. Brandon Noway. How you doing today, Brandon? I'm really good, Mark. How about you? I am having the time of my life. It is minor league opening week, buddy. I mean, this is the time. Back April 7th, I was looking forward to having something going on then, but we had to wait till May before they could do this. We'll, we'll talk a little bit about that. We got a whole lot of things to go about. Before we do, though, I, I'd like to let you and I just sit back and listen to these sounds. I love it, man. You look back at Game 6 of the ALCS in 2019, bottom of the ninth, the Astros, Altuve gets up there in a two-run walk-off homer. Ooh! So all the love that was shared with all that first sound you heard, and then came the trash can sound. And then after that, two years later, the Astros and Yankees meet in front of a Yankees crowd in Yankees Stadium. Yankees have been waiting for a year and a half or whatever at this point, and they got to express their love. Wow. It, it did sound like, you know, all is forgiven. We, we forgive you. Your statements were genuine. All's well. Time moves on. It heals all wounds. That, that's what I got from that broadcast, isn't it? Yeah, you can, <laughs> you can say that. Uh, I, I think that even listening to Aaron Boone, he was talking about a certain kind of energy that was there for that day, and, and he felt it. It felt like a playoff atmosphere. I mean, amazing 10, 12,000 fans, whatever, are in there. You know, the energy that was created, it, uh, we haven't seen that since, you know, 2019. So it was definitely an energetic crowd. And, um, they express themselves. Well, you were talking about energy, Brandon, and that is certainly a lot of energy. But I know the Yankees definitely felt that. I mean, the team itself and certainly the fans. So, wow. Welcome back, Yankees and Astros. <laughs> it is nice now that we're getting closer to being considered back to normal. We're getting these crowds and atmospheres back, and that's something that's really been missed. There is absolutely no doubt about that. And Mr. Dusty Baker commented on this as well. They asked him, hey, how do those sounds affect you? Well, you know, some of the guys more than others, but we, we know we're going to he be hearing it for the next couple of days here in New York. You're going to be hearing it for a while, more than just the next couple of days. Ooh, they've, they've heard it all through spring training, and they've heard it most every market that they go to. But let's face it, New York is a whole other deal. But but let's look at the game. But beyond the booze and the cheers, it was fun. I mean, it was well, I will say a little bit more about the fans. They, not only were they there booing, so I mean, you looked into the stands, and there was plenty of signs about the trash cans. And we will never forget. <laughs> I thought it was the Alamo or something. And there was one one young lady they had out there, and she was blowing up an inflatable trash can and having a great deal of difficulty with it. But the announcers of the game made sure they gave her plenty of airtime. <laughs> There's a pun there, but I'm not going to say it. Yeah, I think we both know. We'll let everybody conjure up their own image with that. But it was an interesting game. And then, let's see, what was it? Was Oh, it was the bottom of the sixth. It was Houston three, New York three. They had three men on base. Who comes up to plate? LeMayhew. And at this point, he's walking up. There's already two outs for the Yankees. And it now... He has two strikes. What will happen? Will, will three men be left on base? No. LeMayhew gets a hit, and all three of those men come in. Bam, 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 bam. You know, suddenly, it's no longer a 3-3 game. It's a 6-3 game. But the guy who was on first when LeMayhew hit that was Odor. And complications ensued. What happened was Odor... As he was coming up to the plate, two other players had already crossed it. He was the third one on that play, walking, walking, running in. And there is the catcher of the Astros, Maldonado. And he's trying to reach for the ball and get Odor. But there's also a baseball bat laying out there on the ground as well. 
it made for a difficult situation. Odor and Maldonado, you know, they they wound up clashing, running into one another. And one of the other Yankees was trying to guide Odor to, to, to slide out, you know, to come outside and avoid all that. But, you know, in, in baseball, you're running to home. Things happen like that. So that didn't happen. But what did happen was both of those men tumbled to the ground. And I was wondering how soon they were going to get up. Yeah, and even though all the jokes I said, you know, baseball's slow, all that stuff, when stuff happens, it happens very fast. And especially if you're Odor, you know, all you're really focused on is the catcher and the plate. You're not really looking at anybody or anything else. And you can't really blame him for that accident, even though I don't think it was intentional, obviously. but No, I don't think so either, no. But it looked like it was just an accident. Yeah, and, and that's the thing it was. I mean, the thing of it is the results we're looking at. Odor, I think he's still waiting on some MRI results. And Maldonado, there was some talk about his trapezius. I don't know what that means as far as short-term, long-term injuries. But obviously, I don't think either one's going to be playing today. I mean, I don't know what a trapezius is. I thought it was like something you see at a circus or, you know, where they're swinging on the wires up in there. That's what I thought it was. We'll see. Again, we'll hope everybody's okay with that. So, the Yankees... And the Astros, two more games to go. We'll see what comes. Okay, we, we talked about the Yankees and Astros. Some of the other things we want to go ahead and cover today. We're going to talk about the Dodgers. We're going to talk about the Brewers. We're going to talk about injuries. Max Scherzer, Amber Sabathia, uh, Pitcher of the Month. How much are injuries happening and what's going on with that? Yeah, let's see what else we have here, Brandon. Oh, yeah. Video games. <laughs> and and reflecting on Minor League Week, we're going to go ahead and play an interview with Minor League Geek himself and talking about the contraction of the minors. This is actually a discussion that we had uh, in September when everybody was thinking about how many teams were going to be lost. So pay special attention to that. Okay, so Brandon, now that we know what's happening with the Yankees and Astros, what's happening out in the rest of of the Major League Baseball world. Yes, and I'll bring up a couple facts I, I should have brought up earlier, but I, I just forgot to about the Yankees. They won 7-3, of course, and they've now won 9 of their last 12 and are now 15-14 and 14 and over 500 for the first time since starting 3-2. and two. And the Astros, they were showered booze all night, especially Altuve, Correa, and Bregman, who actually hit a home run in his first at-bat, but the three went a combined 2-for-12 with one RBI. And the most notable champ, were fans chanting F. Altuve, and the big MVP of the night was John Carlos Stanton. He actually contributed as he went four for five with three RBIs. But that's enough with the Yankees. We'll head out to Milwaukee, where A.J. Pollock and Matt Beattie combined for 15 RBIs in a Dodger victory over the Brewers. Pollock had eight of them and Beattie had seven. Both of them had grand slams, and that game featured Christian Yelich coming back from IL, and he went two for four, and it was only a one-game return as he went back to the IL with back issues. That is just painful to think about. The injuries just seem to be continually rolling, but go ahead, man. What was happening out there? And sticking with the Dodgers, they had their own issues as pitcher Dustin May. He would be out for the rest of the season due to Tommy John surgery. And the Dodgers have really struggled lately, having lost 12 of their last 16. And Clayton Kershaw last night, Tuesday night, had his shortest start of his career going only one inning and giving up four runs. And that's only the second time he's given up four runs in one inning and the first time since 2008 against the Nationals when he gave up five. That's a heavy weight to carry. I mean, even just for one game. That's the, and being pulled, or he probably even has to be pulled in the first inning after all that type of action. Yeah, and I mean, that's pretty impressive to go that, that long. That's 13 years without giving up four runs in anything. That's an impressive streak, but hey, everybody has their off days. Every, yeah, I, I agree with you totally because Kershaw is still a magnificent player, and I would go to watch him anytime. And former Ray and now Philly pitcher Jose Alvarado was suspended Sunday morning for three games due to his inciting a brawl during a game against the Mets on Saturday. But I bet but he appealed it, and I bet the Phillies wish that he didn't appeal it, as he gave up three runs just hours later in Sunday night's loss to the Mets. Ooh. 
Jose, come on. Max Scherzer, he tossed a complete game, and he left right after the game for the birth of his wife, of his and his wife's third child. And in that game, he had nine strikeouts, five hits, and he gave up one run in the ninth. So, safe to say that's a pretty good day for Scherzer. Yeah, almost shutting out the team, playing a complete game, and then having a, he his wife sharing the birth of his child. Wow! That's, that's, uh, that rates up there is probably one of the top awards. Yeah, and, and <laughs> congratulations to the two of them, their family, and hopefully all is well. And sticking with family, Amber Sabathia, that is CeCe's wife, is set to become a baseball agent for CA, CAA Sports, so a big congratulations to her. Jacob deGrom, he was scratched from Tuesday's start against St. Louis due to right sight. Wait, wait a minute, wait a minute, wait a minute. i got to stop you, dude. CeCe Sabathia's wife's becoming a baseball yeah. agent? Okay, I, I guess through CeCe, she ought to have plenty of, of, uh, <laughs> plenty of connections, but I don't know that those are always, are always a good thing. I mean, uh, do, do you think that she'll be able to, to build good relations with teams that really kind of felt the pain of CeCe? Well, I mean, I'd hope so. They could let, you know, the past go and, you know, just say, hey, it's business and they don't take it like too personally. But, you know, I'm I'm sure there's a, be at least one person out there that'd be like, hey, you know, that's Cece's wife. I don't want to deal with her. Yeah, well, I, I wish her well, but I, I don't know if having Cece as the husband is a handicap or a bonus, but we wish Amber Sabathia well with her new gig. Hopefully it works out more as a bonus than a, a handicap. But yeah, like you said, <laughs> good luck to her. Jacob deGrom, he was scratched from Tuesday's start against St. Louis due to right side tightness. And NJ.com said that the Mets are optimistic it will only be one start that he misses and that he should return on Sunday for his start against Arizona. But it didn't affect him too much as the game was rained out. And sticking with deGrom, he had a heck of a day anyways as he won the NL Pitcher of the Month as those both of those awards stayed in New York with Garrett Cole winning the AL side of it. Jermaine Mercedes of the White Sox and Trevor Rogers of Atlanta won Rookie of the Month. Byron Buxton of the Twins and Ronald Acuna Jr. of the Braves as well also won Player of the Month. And Mark, you had an interesting little little fact about the Pitcher of the Month award. Oh, yeah, yeah. I realized I dug up a little bit and saw that I think it initially was started out, MLB put it out there in 1979. And the first one they did was had both pitchers of the month were awarded to pitchers in New York. And not until this month has that happened again. So Garrett and Derek Cole, the Yankees, and DeGrom, you know, it was interesting to see both of them win it this month. So that's something. But not surprising when you realize, too, the power and the strength of what Garrett Cole brings with the Yankees and the history and still the strength that DeGrom brought as a two-time Cy Young winner and what he still does on the mound. Yeah, and hopefully for the Mets, that his injury isn't too bad. They're expecting it isn't be isn't going to be, and hopefully that is true because he's their ace. He's very important, and even though they don't seem to help him at all offensively, more on that in a little bit, he is very important for the for their success. I do want to make mention of one other thing on the uh, of the month awards. Who won the Player of the Month? And no big surprise, it's Ronald Acuna Jr. with Atlanta. That man is having a fantastic year, and you know he may may wind up being an MVP. We'll see. That that wouldn't shock me at all. He might win it multiple times throughout his career. The way he's played so far, yeah, he, he's he's exciting to watch. Also, but talking about exciting and coming coming back to Degrom, I think it was interesting watching this man when he's pitching. He has accelerated his fastball year over year over year. I mean, if we look back in 2016, his fastball was at an average speed of 93.9. I'm not going to go down the list, but every year since then, he was going up about 0 0.2, 0 0.3. So from 2016 at 93.9, now here he is in 2020, well, actually last year, and he had an uh, average fastball speed of 98.7. Oof. That's pretty fast. Yeah, hit that baby. You know, if this man can throw a lot of fastballs at that and, and becomes part of his regular retinue of pitches, it's going to make it difficult for people to be able to do it. So I don't know. We, we'll hope that uh, Mr. DeGrom gets feeling well soon. 
I think, what was it, just some ch- tightness in his chest that we first heard uh, about? It was just tightness in his right side. That's all that I saw. Yeah, so it wasn't about an arm, so that's <laughs> that's the first thing that gives concern. It could just be something where, you know, maybe he just slept wrong. You know, everybody has that where you wake up and you're sore. It could have just been that. And injuries today. You and I have been talking a lot about that recently. It seems, and maybe it's just because we've been delving more into it, but it seems like there's been a lot of injuries this year. I, I don't know if that's because they they haven't warmed up properly because of last year. I, I don't know that that's a, any real concern, or maybe it's because uh, maybe the managers are being much more protective of their pitchers. I don't know. What do you think? I don't know. It could be a combination of things. It could be, you know, with the increase that, you know, pitchers trying to get more speed or more spin rate on their pitches, that could be leading to more injury. Or it could be, you know, Maybe guys are in too good of shape. They're, you know, they're too stretched out to where they'll get those little tweaks and injuries a little bit more. Because there is such thing as yeah. being in too good of shape. Like you, how you can eat too healthy. I guess there's, you know, too much for everything. I guess that that would be a hard one for me to understand. Of course, there's a lot of things I have difficulty understanding. <laughs> uh, <laughs> but I to go a little further. I haven't. Have you had a chance yet to read that story? It just came out in The Athletic. Uh, Mr. Rosenthal wrote about injuries. I did not. I saw it on Twitter, and that, that's something I definitely want to check out here sometime soon. Yeah, I'll go ahead and recommend that, even though I haven't had a chance to see it, because Rosenthal always does a, a pretty good dive into any of his stories, and I think that's worth checking out. What else is happening out across the baseball world, Brandon? Sticking with the Mets, they fi- have fired hitting coach Ch- Chili Davis and assistant Tom Slater. And according to John Heyman, players were upset about it. And Pete Alonzo, he actually said that he found out over Twitter. And they were all kind of shocked by it because they think that it doesn't fix anything. And considering they've scored like 16 or 18 runs in the past three games before he was fired, they thought it was kind of like a head-scratcher. Team meeting with GM Zach Scott. And of course, he came out and said, quote, It's based more on a vision for what we want our Major League hitting program to be. I'm not going to dive too deep into those details to reveal what that vision is necessarily, but the process under the hood that's going on is really what's important. It's not about results. It's not about 23 games of results. But it really is a game of results. (laughs) Yeah, I I think Steve Cohen (laughs) would argue about it is a game of results. But let's face it, the entire management, that that front office has a much different look than it did a, a year ago. So. I'm not surprised that they're making changes, but I had a question too, because I think it was last year and Julie Davis took the year out because of of concerns about COVID. And some people said, well, you know, the batting still stayed strong without him. So why don't we need him back? Uh, I I don't know. It sounds like the players see the need to keep him there. uh, We'll see if anything develops. But once management makes, makes a decision like that, they rarely change their mind. Yeah, that's what it seemed like. And, of course, that quote came courtesy of the New York Times. All right, moving on to our next story. We're talking about video games for the next couple of minutes. Something I bet you never thought we'd talk about on here. A's pitcher, <laughs> A's pitcher Jesus Lozardo broke his pinky finger playing video games. Manager Bob Melvin said in a press conference, quote, Before the game, he was playing a video game and accidentally bumped his hand on the desk as he was playing the game. He came in, was a little bit sore, training staff checked him out. We threw him in the cage before he went out there, watched him warm up. And he was comfortable pitching, and the training staff was comfortable with him pitching. After the game, we got an x-ray, and there was a hairline fracture in the pinky finger, and Lazardo was put on the 10-day IL, and that comes courtesy of SI.com. Okay, okay, yes, we don't normally do video games here, but this does bear investigation. <laughs> And my question first starts with, he was playing a video game and accidentally bumped his hand on the desk. One, which video game was it? You know, was it uh, one of those ones where you're at war and you're fighting and all this and you get yourself shot and, oh, I gently bumped my hand into the table here. Art, my goodness gracious, what the heck happened there? <laughs> oh, Blake, oh, that's my pitch again. Oh, crap, what am I going to do? Yeah, I, I don't think Blake Snell does. I don't think he hurts his hand while he's playing. <laughs> And no, that was my first thought. He he probably got upset and slammed his hand against something because in my days of playing Call of Duty online with my friends, there have been times or two where I've heard someone in our chat get very angry and hear a loud bang. So that would not shock me at all. 
Okay. Well, we wish Jesus well, and we hope that he gets feeling better and control that temperament, if indeed that's the situation. (laughs) (laughs) But somebody who did control their temperament was Blake Snell, who, as we know, he's very active on Twitch, where he actually has made some comments before about a trade that the Rays made when they traded away Tommy Pham. That was very popular for a couple days around the Bay Area. And on his Twitch a couple nights ago, he found out he was ranked an 82 overall on MLB 21 The Show. And I think it's pretty safe to say he thought it was very disrespectful. And if you haven't seen the video, go to my Twitter at SportsBlitzPod to check it out. I have it retweeted on there. Is he talking about his own playing the game or his, his uh, character on the MLB 21? For those who may not know really how the show works or any of the sports video games work, it tends to be the higher rated you are, the better player you are. So like if you're a 99, that's the best of the best. You can't really get any, you can't get any better. So you maxed out at 99. And 82, it kind of looks like they're saying he has a lot of room to grow to be considered the best. I love Blake and I I look forward. I mean, I miss him here in Tampa, but he's always fun to, to listen to and We'll see if he moves up in the ranks on MLB 21. <laughs> I love last year when they made him the deep playoff run, and everybody heard him talk, and everybody was like, wow, his voice does not fit him, and it really doesn't. <laughs> well, that's crazy. I love it. And one last topic on video games, a YouTuber by the name Connor Buckley, who is better known as Buck Army, he went to Twitter to ask the Diamondbacks if they could help update him to see how his friend's second date is going, who, I guess, the couple, they went there on one of their dates, and he wasn't texting them how it was going, so he went with everybody else, did what everybody else does, and goes to Twitter to get a response. And the Diamondbacks did respond, as they included a camera shot of them on the Jumbotron, in a Twitter thread dedicated to the couple and their date. So I also retweeted that as well, so be sure to check that out. So you contributed to the social media madness, Connor Buckley. (laughs) Hey, I did. I love it, man. That's a great story. And and my sick mind, the first thing I think of, what would have happened if she got up and left in the middle of the game and just left them there? What would have happened? That would have been another Twitter storm for another day or two. But it it looked like they did have have a good time together, and hopefully there are more dates to come for the two. And my last topic of the rundown, a feel-good story, as Waskar Noah, and I believe I'm saying that right, I'm just looking at the pronunciation on Google, but they basically said it's pronounced NASCAR with a WH instead of an N, so hopefully I got that right. He hit a Grand Slam on Tuesday night, and in his last start he hit a double and an RBI single, and is hitting 385 with 6 RBIs. And you may be thinking, why is that so special? But if you don't know who Noah is, he is actually a pitcher. He is not a position player. And he actually has more home runs and RBIs than Francisco Lindor, as many RBIs as Mookie Betts, more home runs than DJ LeMahieu and Glaber Torres combined, has scored as many runs as Starlin Castro and Miguel Cabrera. And since April, Noah is 5 for 8 with 3 extra base hits, while his MVP teammate Freddie Freeman is 8 for 41 with three extra base hits. And that comes courtesy of ESPN. That is some crazy comparisons and a fantastic performance for a young man. Wow. Yeah, from what I'm looking at, he was he's only 23 years old. He's what? He's been with Atlanta now in the majors for three years. This being the third year, rather. And minor league before that, let's see... He was with, um, I think, Minnesota must have drafted him because he was with them a couple of years. Then, uh, let's see, again, he was came up through Atlanta after that, their form system or their minor leagues. So, wow, you know, 2019, he was still playing single A, double A, and triple A before he came into all this. Yeah, he was. he started with the Twins. He spent three seasons there. He started in, you know, rookie leagues and made it. His, well, his way up to the Appalachian League in the minors, and he was actually traded in 2017 to Atlanta for Jaime Garcia. He stayed in the minors for one year, and then he bounced up and down between AAA and the majors, and last year he, he stuck in the majors, and this year he started out there as well. My gosh. Well, he's going to definitely be a person on my radar from now on. Yeah, definitely, and I hadn't heard of him before, but I feel bad now. Now I want to watch him more. Yeah, definitely. Yeah, 
I may have to make a visit up there to Atlanta to see them. I've been wanting to do that anyway. I want to see that stadium. It looks really nice. But it is interesting, you know, talking about his success with the Miners. And, I mean, coming up through the system. We talked about Blake Snell. He came up through the Rays system. It's also, as they're coming through there, they're coming through the minor league. And while this is minor league opening week, it's also a time to reflect about the changes. Uh, (laughs) Somebody from the Rays the other day was posting and talking about, hey, wishing everybody a, a great day. And they were talking about everybody, including the Charleston River Dogs. And I said, yeah, I love it and glad, I welcome them, but a bit of sadness for the Princeton Rays and for the you know, Charlotte Stone Crabs because we've lost a lot of great teams. And, you know, we can talk more about this at another time, Brandon. But I would like to go ahead and play that interview with the Minor League Geek. And when he and I talked last year about the contraction of teams in, uh, in the minor leagues. so. Here we go. Let's hear what he has to say. And today we have a very special episode with an interview with none other than Bruce Vogue, the minor league geek. Bruce is also host of Just Barely Sports Podcast. If you haven't checked it out now, you should. You'll find him on Apple iTunes and also on Google Podcasts. Does a great job of covering a lot of things with baseball, everything from uh, like he kind of nails things down to the minor league's I uh, saw the thing on the Binghamton Ponies and some other trash can pandas. We can talk oh, yeah. about that later. So, Bruce, welcome to the show, man. Thank you so much for having me. Thank you so much for having me. I try to explain Just Barely Sports as this. It's not a sports show, but it's not not a sports show. Um, It's sort of everything that kind of fits in the middle of the cracks that's not like players on the field. So it can be, for instance, uh, we're about to do an episode about the video game NBA Jam. Wow. Uh, which for a lot of people that didn't like sports and didn't like sports games, if you were a kid in the 90s, you still played NBA Jam, even if you had no desire to involve yourself with the NBA at all. As a matter of fact, I interview uh, the author of NBA Jam, the book, and he and I both had the same experience of not really being an NBA fan and then playing NBA Jam and getting into the NBA at that point. <laughs> I like how one evolves into the other with that. The game itself brought you into into the uh... mm-hmm into the sport. So that's fantastic. Yeah, I, I'm glad about that. And another thing I know some of the other ones you've done too is like a focus on the logos and some of the marketing that they yes. do. So that's very That's cool what got me into all of this was that what I loved, and I think that those of you out here listening, you're probably uh, very much baseball fans. So take this trip with me for just a second, is that a young man uh, at the age of like 11 realizes he can throw like a 53 mile an hour curveball. And everyone tells him how amazing he is. And then he has to go through the ranks and get stronger. And he misses uh, dates so that he can throw a decent fork ball. And then he's the best in his high school. And he goes to the college program. He's the best in the college program. He gets drafted to a team. He's like, oh, my goodness, I'm going to make the show. And then they make him play in Montgomery, Alabama, in a, uh, wearing a hat that is a, a biscuit with googly eyes and a butter pat mouth. And that fascinated me. Great aspirations, man. <laughs> and there you well, go. That's what drew me because, like, uh, you know, the, the logos on the hats were a lot of minor league teams. They figured out if you made a cool logo, you don't have to play baseball. And there's something about the marketing mind that I have that I just thought that was great. Uh, so that's what I really latched on to. And from there, that's how I ended up with the show. I was a public address announcer for the Hagerstown Suns. Um, I was almost the public address announcer for the Baltimore Orioles. Wow. Um, I was invited to try out, and I failed, but I was invited to try out for the Philadelphia 76ers, uh, which was a super cool experience. And I was a uh, top eight for Cal Ripken's team, the Aberdeen Ironbirds. Oh, my god. So gosh. I got to do a whole bunch of, like, announcing stuff. But what got me into it was not that I care about the play on the field. It was that I loved the logos, and then I wanted to be the voice that welcomed, like, all the new kids that were going to be learning about the game or wanted to inform the scorekeepers as to what changes are being made. Like, I wanted to be that welcoming voice, and that's how I ended up kind of in all of the rest of it. Well, we're glad to be able to spend some time with you. You've achieved so much with that, and obviously that growth into the game. And it's it's interesting, too, because you're covering minor league baseball. I mean, you've yep. been involved with it quite a bit. Mm-hmm. And so uh, it's very interesting, you know, now that you're covering in this particular episode, your most recent one, is about the business of minor league baseball. 
you know, you were talking about the aspirations or talking about somebody who's done so much only to wear that hat with a special logo on it. But all those hours, those young people put into it. And I don't think most people understand what the commitment they've made to this game. You know, we're looking at guys in the rookie leagues who aren't going to make three, four thousand dollars for uh, the time that are going to be playing for three months. There's no money coming to them for the time that they're in spring training or anything else. And we'll talk a little bit too about how how we cut them so they don't even get paid for overtime. Oh yeah, it's it's gross. I mean, to be real honest, like because I came in, so I was working for the Hagerstown Suns, um, and I was driving from Baltimore to be the announcer for Hagerstown. Now, if you know where that is, that's going to make sense to you. If not, that's about a 65-mile-an-hour trip one way. So I was driving about 130 miles a round trip to do these games. And I would show up, and these poor kids, man, like, there would be Bryce Harper. And, like, Bryce Harper would be in a pickup truck jacked up on rims uh, with practically, like, $100 bills shooting out of the exhaust. Everybody else would be four people in like a Pinto hoping that they can like get from the stadium to whatever room they have that's in the community that is not, it's not a hotel room. It's not their house. It's like they stay in a room of somebody's house in the community because that's how much money is available to pay these guys. If you're not a number one signing bonus, um, it is way, way crazy the way the pay scale works. Um, one thing I'll note, uh, just because I think this really shows the 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 difference, the disparity between the major leagues and the minor leagues is the minor leagues do two things. They're the you know the old school farm program. You grow them on the farm, and then they're also injury rehabs. So when like a major league, and not even like a high level major league, like a a decent bench warmer major league player would come through and do an injury rehab, they would do things like leave fifty bats there because these kids couldn't afford bats if they broke them. Um which blew my mind at one point. I want to say maybe Rick Ankeel uh, came into town because I worked in the, in the national system and Rick Ankeel was there. And that was one of the things was all the players were joyous because Rick Ankeel told Louisville slugger, he accidentally broke like 29 bats. <laughs> and they, they were like, how do you get away with that? And he was like, well, you know, I kind of wink and they kind of wink and then they hand me 29 bats and you guys can all have bats. So you don't need to worry about if something breaks it, you're going to have to, to deal with it or explain it to the team or anything like that. So like, that's the difference is that if you're at that major league level, you're giving away 29 bats Louisville slugger gives you. If you're at the bottom level, you're just hoping you don't have to pay 75 more dollars for another Louisville slugger. Well, and that's it, isn't it, really? I mean, the whole idea is being at that minor league level, man, you've got to ask for crumbs. And now and now we're looking oh, yeah. at what's happening though, What for 42 of those teams. Pardon me for just one second. I just want to mention for most of the people listening right now, if you don't know, there is 160 teams yep. in the minor leagues. And of those 160 teams, Major League Baseball, Mr. Rob Manfred decided to say, guess what, last October, 42 of you guys, you're gone. Shoot, bye. Don't want to see any more rookies, and I forget what the other one is right now. But both of those leagues are, or whatever, are, both of those are gone. We're going to tell you how you're going to do business from now in minor league baseball. We've got this thing called a PBA, Professional Baseball Agreement. I don't know. I'm going to go ahead and editorialize a little bit here and say I don't think there's anything professional about it when one party comes in and says, "Hey, this is the way you're going to do it," and if you don't like it, we're going to walk away with all our toys and leave you behind. So minor league baseball. You know, you've been responsible for taking care of what? Your stadiums or your players? Which one? Well, we're going to, we, we don't think you've been taking care of them at all. So I'm looking at you uh, as Major League Baseball. I'm looking at your facilities. I'm looking at you got these guys riding on buses and they're not making any money. Well, the money's supposed to be coming from Major League Baseball in the first place. Sorry, I'm getting up on my high horse about this. But when they came out last October and said 42 teams, you got to cut them. It's it's real weird. So let's let's like let's explain a couple things. I'll try not to go into the full episode. If you really want to have it all broken down, uh, go to Just Barely Sports and check out the episode about the business of minor league baseball. But a couple like little things to let you know. So there's 160 teams in minor league baseball right now. M- Rob Manfred did say, hey, the entire rookie league is gone. The entire short season is gone. Um, so here's what we're gonna do: is hey, every major league club. We're going to let you, because, so like, it's very easy to say that Major League Baseball's evil through this. 
they're really just creating efficiencies. It's just that sometimes in creating efficiencies, you're doing kind of evil things to places. So they've said to every major league team, pick the four teams you want to work with, give them a license, and bam, that's what we're going to do. Now, the problem is, is you end up with states like West Virginia. West Virginia had four teams coming into this, and they may leave with one if they're lucky. Um, I want to say the state of Montana does not have, they are not a state that is bordered by a state that has a major league team. So they are losing all four of their teams. Uh, and part of kind of the illusion that we all do here is we all pretend, even though baseball's a business, it's the nation's pastime. And that's why it needs to be everywhere. There should be, we are going to keep putting baseball fields everywhere we possibly can because it's the nation's pastime. And that's great until you say, oh, but no, it's, it's also business. So Montana doesn't need to have any teams that look professional. And West Virginia at one point was going to have zero. I've heard they might keep one because they just built the stadium last season. So I think one of the, Oh, goodness, maybe the Pirates decided to keep a team out there. Um, but it's created this weird scramble now in the business side where minor league teams are, like, selling off part of their team to the major league parent for, right. like, a dollar, hoping that they'll be protected in this land grab. And then on top of that, if you are a major league team and you've decided that the team you really want is in unaffiliated baseball, why don't you grab them, too? So that's why we, we contract from 160 to 120, but we actually have to lose 42 or 43 teams uh, because the St. Saint Paul Saints are going to be picked up. The uh, Sugarland Skeeters are going to be picked up. And there is a possibility, depending on which article you read, that the Somerset Patriots are going to be picked up. And that's before, who knows? Maybe the Orioles decide they're going to go with another Eastern League team or something else changes. But, gad, Zooks, it's a weird land rush right now as everybody just tries to be one of the four affiliates that uh that major league baseball will use well it's it's interesting too when you're looking at the yeah the land grab uh i kind of jumped ahead though some one of the things you and i talked off before we start recording mm -hmm. was how we got here looking at well america's pastime <laughs> and looking at the act that came up with that that kind of legislation we had uh which was anything but buried inside a bill with over a thousand pages deep and lo and behold, that's where they were going to legislate and say, guess what? No overtime. Is that right? Yeah, so essentially in 2016, uh, Major League Baseball appealed to some Congress folks and said, hey, we want a thing called the Save America's Pastime Act. And well, what does that mean? Oh, well, we don't want to have to pay overtime to any of our players. So we just want a special exception written that says if you are a baseball player, you don't get paid overtime. So that came up, and it, I also want to make a note here, because in the, in the episode I do, I'm a little political. But this, this, this had both a Republican and a Democrat sponsor. So it was not one party's fault. It was every party's fault. Two people put it up. Uh, in 2016, it got bad press. First, the Democrat, then eventually the Republican dropped off of it. They were like, oh, no, this is a hot potato. We don't want it. <laughs> okay, seemed great. Uh, Major League Baseball had a plan. They were like, I know what we're going to do. We'll get this passed. Let's try it again. So then they went to all the minor league baseball teams and said, hey, look, guys, gals, non-binary pals, um, if you don't appeal your local Congress folks to get this passed, we will have to contract the league. So, for instance, if you are one of the great senators from Montana, they say to you, look, if we don't let this through and allow this time not only not to pay overtime, but to not even have to pay minimum wage anymore. Because of what all that overtime would represent, we just pay an amount, if we call it a 40-hour week, and they don't get any more. Uh, but, Senator from Montana or Senator from West Virginia, if we don't pass this, we're going to lose all of our teams. So, you know, Montana and West Virginia say, well, you know, their facilities, their, your people have jobs that are there, all the kids have jobs that are coming in, there's tourism. So i got to factor all that in. If what Major League Baseball feels like they need to run is my constituents are telling me i got to get this thing passed. Gosh darn it, let's save the nation's past. And it ended up being buried. I don't know. That was the one thing was I couldn't find the exact number, but it was just like deep in a bill. And because it was a spending bill, it was like in the thousand plus pages somewhere. It got buried in that the Save America's Pastime Act, where Major League Baseball does not track hours or pay overtime, 
uh, got passed. And remember, all these people, all these minor league teams worked to get this passed because they thought they were saving their team. Rob Manfred then a year later said, oh, whoops-a-daisy, thank you so much for doing that for us. We are still contracting the league. Good luck. Yeah, a lot of love, a lot of love. But yeah, Ed, and a lot of those folks, like you said, once it became a hot potato, people who were right on board there pushing us on through said, oh, my gosh, my constituency. Mm-hmm. And as you were saying, whether it was West Virginia had had four teams. And now West Virginia was one of the states. I think they get to keep one team. Wow. But they were doing it because they had four. And at one point in the discussions, they went from four to zero. I think they've saved one. Well, I'm glad to hear that much anyway. But it's, it's just got to be a nasty little business at that po- this point. I mean, I understand the economics of, you know, 160 teams. And I understand, you know, even if you look at the draft, what we have in baseball compared to other sports, only a limited number of players are actually going to make it up to the show. There's 30 teams, and the rosters are limited. So what what's going to happen? I, I understand that. But the thing that needs to be considered is community. And all those communities mm-hmm. which don't have a major league in their town, you know, they're, they're tied into baseball, but they're also tied into that major league in some capacity. When they know that the guy they're seeing out there playing center field, who also does great at bat, they may see that person aspire. They may see him go up to Class A, Double A, Triple A, and yes, then they're in the show. And the kind of excitement and history that builds for that town and for that team, that is something I don't think baseball realizes that is there. That is a marketing piece that is huge. And if I had that and you take it away from me, <laughs> uh, it's going to be a little hard. Well, and and so that's part of what Major League Baseball is saying, is they don't even want to call this the contraction. They're saying, look, you have so many options. You're essentially, all we're doing is, is we're sure we're taking away players that might be future Boston Red Sox, but like you're getting equivalent caliber players from other places. And your options are one of three. One is become unaffiliated baseball. Now for me, Bruce Vogue, guy who cares about the sumo race mid-inning, that's fine. But for a lot of people, they want to see the the future exactly. That center fielder that's got a decent at-bat that eventually makes their way up to the show. That is important for a lot of people. So to say that they are the same is completely um, a lie, flat out. The other option you have is what's called college wood bat, which is even more gross in my opinion, because you're bringing college players in, and oh, wait a minute, the whole system of college sports is built, and we don't pay those people, even though they're working. So there you go. Here's a free team that hopes that one day a major league scout will see them and then bring them into affiliated baseball. Uh, the third option, of course, is to just stop being a team and fold. Those are your three options. Wood bat, where you kind of uh, work with uh, kids that can't do any better. Uh, unaffiliated, where you kind of hope maybe you have some players that will find their way to a team somehow, but it's still they're still not going to have that affiliation with the major league team. And then third one's against fold. Well, I think you hit it. I think that last one's going to happen a lot more than anybody wants to think about. Looking through what's happening in this world right now, this has become – well, nothing people really are going to consider. They've got a lot going on. I mean, whether it be the presidential race, it be the mm-hmm. pandemic, whether it be, you know, uh, racial injustice, all these things that are going on. So guess mm-hmm. what? What you and I are talking about has really become inconsequential. Oh, but, definitely. But it's still part of the fiber of people of who we are above and beyond all those very issues that need to be addressed. This is something that what happens. I mean, it happens a lot of these births. I mean, you look at this, how many times. There is a hot issue out there, and the next issue through the news cycle gets lost. We've got championships right now with hockey, with basketball. Mm-hmm. We've got things going on with a bubble and coming up here with the playoffs for baseball. Nobody's looking, man. This is when people can you know, go ahead and set the cards. They can move things around, and the rest of us won't see it. Oh, yeah. Pat O'Connor, MILB president, gone. He just resigned. And within the last couple of months, he was heading up with the negotiations. He had three separate negotiating teams that he's had working with Major League Baseball in just the last few months. That's crazy nuts insane. Now, again, none of this is going to be rising up to anybody's view until it, until that door closes, I'm afraid, because there's so much else going on. Oh, definitely. And since we're talking about the, the business of baseball here, let's talk about a couple things. One, when you talk about all those other, and I specifically want to talk about kind of all the injustices and the social stuff, minor league baseball finds its way to normalize those things that were not normalized. 
for instance, um, I it ended up getting canceled, so I didn't go. But the Columbus Clippers were going to do a drag queen softball game uh, because the city of Columbus uh, has like the second largest pride parade in the country. Um, so you even see these teams in these communities saying these are the issues of the community. Let's bring them into a place where everybody meets together. Uh, no matter what your faith may be, no matter what your side of the aisle you're on, everybody kind of still comes to the baseball game. And why don't we take these things and, and see what we can do about putting everyone together? Because it'll be drag queen baseball on uh, Thursday, but it'll be faith night on Sunday. So all of these things are coming to the same place to form this community. There is something to be said about minor league baseball being a community hub for these smaller cities. Additionally, uh, as we talk about COVID-19, uh, so a lot of people are saying that what may end up happening is, is that Major League Baseball may just wait to see who's still left standing. Uh -huh. Because remember, these teams are going to have not done anything for 19 months. And the worst of it is, because I had never thought about this. So the short season teams that got cut actually got the easiest ride because they didn't buy their food for the start of the season. So COVID-19 hit, you know, right at the beginning of the season. All of these teams that were supposed to play a full, like, 80-game season had already bought food for at least 40 games worth of, uh, of concessions. So they not only don't make a dollar, they had to outlay all the money on their season projections for, like, popcorn and hot dogs and ketchup. And, you know, you don't think about that. You're like, oh, ketchup. But at the end of the day, you know, 70 gallons of ketchup is going to end up being something to you when you can't bring one person into your stadium. I think you hit an ideal point, too, when you talk about community. You know, whether you were talking about re reflecting as far as the Pride Parade mm -hmm. and then having the drag queen uh, with, excuse me, having drag queens there with the, with the community baseball team, yep. whether you're talking about, and it's interesting you're talking about the food because what these small baseball teams are doing, they are part of that community. I'll go back to that mm -hmm. again. And they reflect that. So when they have all that food and everything else, you've seen some where they're donating it, where they're cooking it up and having people drive up to the parking lot and they're giving mm -hmm. it to them, you know, to try to make use of the facilities. I was, I was even seeing some graduations being done on minor league baseball fields. Yep. Uh, a wedding and, and turning the baseball field into, <laughs> into a restaurant where you have plenty of room for social distancing. <laughs> yep. <laughs> uh, on that and, and drive-ins. I mean, like I said, all this together. So there's a, a lot of things that these teams have done to be a part of the community before and in these difficult times as well. So I have a great love for them just for that sort of thing. I said, whatever happens, I feel like it may be inevitable at this point, but those teams should still exist as a local just kind of have to adapt to the mindset that they're not going to necessarily be affiliated with MLB, this dream league that Manfred talks about. I would still enjoy seeing a team play there, even if they're not affiliated. But I, I feel that a lot of those, like you were saying, because of conditions being what they are today, mm -hmm. may just roll up and go home, that it may be done because people can't afford to, you know, taxes, whatever else on those stadiums when they haven't had a year of anybody mm -hmm. coming in there. I don't know. Yeah, I mean, I think it's all real. It's, it's all very something. Because the thing to remember about baseball is, especially minor league baseball, is that Essentially, it is two forces that have decided to get together to make money, but aren't really attached. And that is you have the players, which are owned by the major league parents, and then you have a marketing team that pays for the stadium and the logos and the hats and the, all that kind of stuff. So the marketing team is still doing everything they can to tr just try to make some money to keep this thing afloat. And the marketing team will always do that. But at the end of the day, if what you wanted to do was bring your son and daughter to see the future Baltimore Orioles, there isn't enough marketing to make up for that. If that's the, the thing you want to be able to say, if you used to live in St. Louis and now you've moved out to the, to the deep bergs and you just want to be able to see Cardinals players come through, there's nothing that fixes that. You know, there's no amount of drag queen softball games and drive-in movie theaters and pro wrestling nights that's going to fix that. Um, I would hope that more people are like me and just kind of want to see the spectacle. But I understand that, you know, especially in the baseball world, that, that I'm a much smaller contingent than you may think. I mean, there's a lot of families that are up for wacky, reasonably priced entertainment. But some part of that often is either mom or dad has a love of Major League Baseball. 
And it's a way, if you're in Montana, to still feel connected to the conversation. And I think now, once those teams in like Montana disappear, what connection to the conversation does Montana have anymore? Well, that's it. It has to be so localized, and you can't see it beyond just that minor league team. There's yep. nothing to be to go to the next. But I'd like to take a moment, though, and reflect on what you were saying about marketing. Because I love what you do as far as another part of your show, just on Just Barely Sports. First, I want to say, folks, if you haven't checked him out, please do check out Just Barely Sports. Bruce Vogue does a great job on there, and especially this one I was talking about what you did on the business of the minor leagues. But weekly, you also have the logo show on there as well, as as sometimes as a feature. And I love because you talk about the marketing. And and I'll I'll tell you one quick thing. I'm actually from Louisville, Kentucky originally. I live in Tampa now. Okay. And I, I loved you what you did with the uh, the Derby, the mint juleps. Yeah, and uh, I, I'd been to the Louisville uh, Redbirds game. Excuse me, Louisville bats they, now. They have Louisville bats now. Yeah, <laughs> Louisville bats. I went there a couple of years ago, and they did have. They were the Mashers that night. They weren't yep. the bats. They were the Mashers. Yep. And they had Evan Williams flights. So you walk mm-hmm. up there, and they give you four little <laughs> mini shots of of whiskey and. You could go back and get more if you so chose. <laughs> but anyway. Because Louisville. It's Louisville. You know? Louisville. Yeah. That's all you need to know. That is, and, and that actually demonstrates, like, one of the things I really love is, is that if you ever run across a minor league baseball hat and you don't understand it, the answer normally is, it's something super local. Just ask somebody and they will explain it to you. Um, like if you listen to one for the Derby City Mint Juleps, the work that went into this hat in this logo, because it's like an anthropomorphic silver cup, which if you know about the Kentucky Derby, the most expensive mint julep is the bookmaker that's served <laughs> in, this, in this silver cup that's like $100, but the ticket to get to the bar that serves it is like ten grand, and it's $100 to get this bookmaker's mint julep. And then if you look at the face, it's the nose is a... um is a uh is a horseshoe that's turned right side up because that's good luck like there's all these things that are hidden in logos uh because minor league teams want to appeal to the people that are right there you got to sell to the locals that are within 30 miles and you do that by just being as local as you possibly can and that's why for instance uh formerly the redbirds they've been the louisville bats the louisville river bats went back to the louisville bats stayed the louisville bats I think for a little while, they were a vampire bat. Yeah. Then they became a vampire bat uh, where it was a baseball bat with wings. <laughs> then they went back to being, uh, then they went to this symbol that almost looked like um, like a ripoff of the Baltimore Ravens. Uh, that was just kind of like a Batman, Baltimore Ravens thing. Then they went back to the wacky bat with the bat. Like, And these changes are just trying to figure out what the community wants and where they think their identity is. And the Mashers <laughs> was another one. Evan Williams sponsored that. And that logo was like a, a barrel with a baseball bat. Yeah, a big and, old um, bag of mash. And he had a bag of he had a bag of sour mash over his shoulder. <laughs> yeah, it, it's crazy. But I mean, that's the color of it. You know, like you said, mm-hmm. I live down here in Tampa. I'm very fortunate because I have several minor league teams around here. You know, uh, the spring training, etc. And you've got everything from the Marauders. You've got some things as simple as like the the uh, Lakeland Tigers. And then mm-hmm. you've got the rays with the uh, the stone crabs right down the road too. So yep. it's it's exciting stuff. It's fun and it's community. And again, I want to thank you and with what you're doing with Just Barely Sports and how you're featuring a lot of those teams. You've been doing a bang up job, dude. And I'm definitely going to continue thank to follow. Thank you so much. You. So uh, and thank I, you. And I'm going to yeah. do just because you mentioned it. I'm going to do one more. So the the Lakeland Flying Tigers. They are called that because where they were playing, Joker Marching Stadium, was, before it became a minor league baseball stadium, it was a, I want to say, a World War I training barracks uh, in Florida. They converted the World War I training barracks into a baseball field. So the Flying Tiger is the Flying Tigers of the Air Force. That's exactly why they did it. And their hat is, um, it is like the Detroit Tiger in the middle with the wings to look like the like lapel pins that you see on an officer's uniform. They took it so far that uh, there's a special version of the hat they call 
I think the the scrambled eggs is what they refer to it if you're really in the know. But it's got like fronds on the brim of the hat. You can only wear that if you're a higher official. So only the team manager and the coaches are allowed to wear that hat because that's a higher ranking in the Air Force. Oh, wow. That, I mean, and that's how in-depth these logos get, and that's why we do Logo Show as a part of Just Barely Sports. I love it. I love the history you're able to bring out of that. And as far as higher ranking, that's you too, dude. So you should, be, <laughs> you should have the epaulets to go with that too, you know, man. Oh, but thank you so much. Uh, <laughs> I want to thank you again. Again, talking with Mr. Bruce here, the minor league geek, and he is the host of Just Barely Sports, but he also you're on the, some game podcasts too. What are those? Yeah, no, I do a whole bunch of things. So I am. I also have a YouTube channel uh, called Board Game the Game Show, where I take uh, popular board games and I try to convert them into the game show format. Um, I also do some like interviews and some contests and some quizzes and stuff. And then I also am the moderator of a podcast called uh, the Party Game Cast, featuring the Party Game Cast. It is a podcast about party games and games you take to parties. So if you care about learning like what modern party games may be, like if back in the day you knew Jenga and categories and you kind of wonder like what's been made since the 80s that's the kind of stuff that we cover on that show well i'm glad man it's it's definitely needed these days in the pandemic and i've tried mm -hmm. to do some games across even what's a zoom call with family Absolutely. members so well, that's and that's and that's what we're doing on the show now we used to meet in my house in my studio and play party games and talk about them and now we can't so now we're literally covering stuff you can play over zoom uh <laughs> that's playable where you can still have fun with a bunch of people and try to feel connected in these times wow well again thank you again bruce for joining us today and talking with mr bruce vogue the minor league geek from just barely sports podcast again check that out and everything else and you said you can also find him on youtube bruce mm -hmm. man you've done a fantastic job walking through us uh what's going on with some of the business of baseball and taking a look at some of the challenges they have, and hopefully there'll be there'll be some future for these teams. We hope that should be seen soon. So, thank you again, buddy. Appreciate. Thank you so you. much for having me, everybody out there. I'm sure this is a slightly longer episode than you're used to. Thank you so much for listening. Uh, I genuinely appreciate. It. Don't forget, uh, just barely sports. All right. Well, Brandon, minor league teams are here. You know, maybe all one baseball under Manfred before it's all said and done, but uh, minor leagues are here, and I'm I'm definitely going to be checking out some of them. I was talking with some folks the other day, and he's, one fellow fan said, you know, Mark, I'm actually going to – I'm more excited and more interested in seeing what the minor league teams are going to do. So we'll see. Yeah, I always love to watch a minor league game every once in a while, especially when they have them on MLB Network or just on TV anytime because it seems like they actually – I just love the atmosphere more. It actually seems more fun than a more, you know, professional environment like the majors. I agree with you. And we're very fortunate living here in Florida because we have a lot of the spring training fields are here. So not surprisingly, some of the minor league teams for those that are affiliated with them also have their seasons here. And one other thing I just saw come up, Brandon, it looks like, you know, I, I'd I was curious because the Dunedin Blue Jays would be starting their season, I thought, this week. And I, I don't have all the information tabbed down on this, but I see a report that the Blue Jays are actually going to start playing games in Buffalo as of June. Wow, that should be interesting. I wonder, did they, or do you know if they did anything to help out the facilities there? Because I know that was like one of their big reasons for not wanting to be up there. Well, I, I don't. I mean, I know last year they did a lot of things in Buffalo for uh, last year in 2020. But a lot of it was stuff they could pack up and take home. So I'm not sure if, I'm not sure what it's going to be like. So we'll see. I have no idea. The only, God's honest truth is I have no idea. <laughs> hey, at least you're honest. Well, we know better than that, but yes, okay. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> all right, brother. Well, that's... Uh, you know, the we we talked about opening week in the first week of May. And last week we talked about another event, non-baseball, for the first Saturday of May. And that was the Derby. Did you have a winner? Um, I believe I picked Midnight Bourbon. And there was one other horse I picked. It had like a name that I thought sounded fast. I don't remember what it was. but Hot Rod Charlie, maybe? Yes, it was Hot Rod Charlie. <laughs> and I think it's safe to say they didn't do very good. Yeah, you know, but of course, it's better than the one I had was Mr. Soup and Sandwich. And Soup and Sandwich came in 64 lengths behind the winner. But uh, 
that that's a whole other story. And I understood. <laughs> and as long as we're talking about injuries, I was concerned about the horse because I think he got bumped and they were just trying to be careful with him after that happened during the race. Anyway, it's been a yet another exciting week here on Baseball Biz. You hear, of course, my good friend and colleague, Mr. Brandon Noway. And you can find Brandon at Sports Blitz Pod on Twitter. You can find me at The Baseball Biz on Twitter. And please leave us any uh, notes you'd like about the show or anything else you'd like us to discuss. Brandon, you got any other notes? Anything else you want to mention? No, I think we have it all covered for this week. I do too. Well, we want to wish everybody a wonderful week. And we look forward to talking with you again real soon. You've been listening to Baseball Biz. As always, you can find us on your favorite podcast directory, including Apple Podcasts, Stitcher, Google Podcasts, iHeartRadio, and more. Thanks again. And remember, you can also check us out on Twitter at TheBaseballBiz. Take care and have a great week. Special thanks to XTake RUX for the music rocking forward. <laughs>